Let's talk with Trent R. Nelson. And we are joined this morning by somebody who holds uh, more power than I hold. She might argue otherwise, but she's the older woman for City of Springfield, Ward 6. And so she serves the community at the city council. And she's here with us, just as she's here with her entire ward as well as the city, on a regular basis, taking emails, answering questions, concerns. But today, she's got to listen to us. So that's a whole, that's a whole big deal. Jennifer Notriano, Ward 6, older woman, city of Springfield. Such a pleasure to have you on the program this morning. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. Well, you know that we enjoy a good chat. I had the pleasure of, of doing a written piece on you, a written interview on you. What was it? Three months ago? Four months ago? Mm-hmm. Yep, in the very beginning. In the very beginning. <laughs> but we're not in the very beginning anymore, are we? No, we're six months in. Wow. Six months in. How has that been? How has everybody knew Kristen DeCenzo when she mm-hmm. was getting ready to leave? How has it been to be Alderwoman Otriano? Yeah, it uh, it has been a big learning experience, <laughs> first and foremost. Uh, there is a huge difference between campaigning for office and being elected. So um, making that transition has been a bit of a learning curve, but uh, constituents uh, are finding out who I am and uh, they're definitely helping me along. So uh, it's just a matter of learning city government and understanding who's responsible for what so I can better connect constituents with the resources that they need to, you know, have their neighbor's yards mowed or have their branches picked up, things of that nature. Well, we all have these struggles. (laughs) Yes. The leaves pile up, the branches... I can only burn fire so often. But we appreciate that. And I think it's funny. Everyone enjoys romanticizing local government. Mm -hmm. But learning local government is certainly intensive. Oh, yeah, definitely. Intensive. But we appreciate that you do it and that you're doing it and that you're serving all of us in such a positive way. So they're getting to know you. Who are you, Jennifer Notriano? Who am I? That's a great question. I ask myself that regularly. Yeah, so I am a state worker. I am someone who has had several careers before that, but most notably and and relevant to this job, I went to school, to graduate school in political science. So I've always been a bit of a political animal and interested in the central question of politics, who gets what, when, where, and why. And um, so now I'm putting that into practice. So it's been enlightening, right? There is a huge difference between reading about things in textbooks and actually practicing politics. So to me, an even bigger learning experience than figuring out how the city of Springfield is organized has been figuring out how to work with colleagues and pursue our common interests. Right. Building those bridges mm-hmm. and, and, and making those connections. And it's not always easy because yeah. it takes, dancing takes multiple people. <laughs> yes, definitely. Collaboration is huge. And just the willingness 
to reach out and, you know, bring up sticky subjects and be willing to be on different sides of an issue, be willing to make mistakes and get things wrong. I think those are some of the things that have colored my experience in the first six months. But I definitely feel like I'm, I'm getting my feet underneath me. I'm starting to feel more comfortable at council that, uh, you know, I never think about the fact that people are watching. Um, but I think subconsciously it is something that's a, it's a little nerve wracking, right? Right. But, um, but in terms of dealing with constituents, the main part of the job, uh, that is, it's honestly a great joy. I am a problem solver and a people person. And I really do love to get in there with my constituents and figure out, you know, like, how how can we solve this? You know, your your neighbor has their water runoff running into your property. How can we solve this without um, <laughs> creating, creating a, um, a dust up or conflict? So. Right. And again, those are the little puzzles that crop up through everyday life that your constituents look to somebody to help with. Sure. Right? And so it certainly is, it brings a smile to me to hear that that brings a smile to you. It does. Excellent. Now, before we move on to matters of the council, I will uh, I will leave our listeners with, with a Henry Stimson quote. The surest way to gain a man's trust is to trust him and to demonstrate that trust. And the surest way to gain a man's distrust is to distrust him and to show that distrust. Now, as we move on to the city council... There are some Dalman innovations. Mm-hmm. Dalman Power Plant, of course, we see it in the distance. We sometimes see plumes even yep. come off of it. It is, as per Ordinance 2023-479, the process of deconstructing the coal plant is, to some degree, officially in the works, no? Yep, yep. We are getting started, laying the groundwork anyway for that. So we sent out a um, request for proposals for engineering firms to basically come out, take a look, measure, you know, um, and figure out, you know, what is it going to take to take these plants down? How can we do it safely using taxpayer money most efficiently and uh, in a way that is safe for the environment. Now, we spoke about this on this past week's council roundup, the RFP and the RFQ, how they function. How will... Alderwoman Notriano, how will this ordinance play alongside uh, an ordinance from several meetings ago that we spoke about previously Mm -hmm. concerning the survey that was paid for by the city to judge what the next steps for Dalman should be, whether it be natural gas or, uh, as many environmentalists have noted, perhaps solar or wind power. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So this is all um, a piece of moving the utility forward and making sure that it is going to comply with the new state and federal regulations that are set to get us off of fossil fuels. In the future, it seems far away, but uh, really, you know, that 10 years is going to come up before, or I guess it's a little more than 10 years, but nevertheless, uh, it'll be 2035 before we know it. 
So, yeah, what we're trying to do is um, make sure that the power production for the city of Springfield complies with new state and federal environmental regulations. And we maintain a uh, affordable price for that energy for Springfield residents and, and the other residents that CWLP serves. And so that is one of the major reasons that the utility has decided to uh, look into switching from burning coal to natural gas in our remaining power plant, the remaining Dalman. And of course, there are opinions on this matter ranging the entire political spectrum from let's keep burning coal until we absolutely have to, to let's move to natural gas, to let's do the thing that will last the longest Mm -hmm. moving forward. Spoke with Don Hanrahan of the Sangman Valley Sierra Club recently. And he brought this up. 2035 is not very far away. And we have to still pay off money for a dolman. Mm-hmm. So we would like to probably do the best we can with the remaining dolman, as well as whatever we transition the rest of those resources into. So with that said, Alderwoman, what do you think the future <laughs> of dolman and that area will mm-hmm. look like? You know, I'm no expert, certainly. But uh, the more I learn about our um, power plant, the more I realize that we really have to um, come up with a sort of comprehensive plan for supplementing that dirty fossil fuel production or use with more clean energy, more renewables. It may, you know, uh, the chief engineer of CWLP often says that, you know, batteries are expensive right now to buy wind and solar is expensive. But we know that the pace of technological change is breakneck right now. So what could be what is expensive now could be more affordable in the future. So we really need to stay on the the cutting edge of new energy sources. And and that's why I'm really looking forward to us coming up with a comprehensive plan for how we're going to incorporate the current Dalman burning fossil fuels, whether it be coal or not, or natural gas, with solar and wind. Absolutely. It Again, investing in the infrastructure is the part that is always the most expensive, right? But from there, it's what is being utilized to create and generate funds. Is it something that's finite or more finite, like <laughs> like fossil fuel, right? or something like the rays of the sun right. or the blowing of the wind? And at any rate, it is a wonderful discussion. It's a discussion that could extend, but we need more time to learn more things and let more things evolve. Elder woman Otriana will be back. She enjoys a good chat. <laughs> yes. She enjoys a good chat. Let's talk with Trent R. Nelson. We are here with Ward 6 Alderwoman Jennifer Notriano. She has just been fantastic. We have spoken about her time in office thus far. Our first interview, she was only a couple months in. Now, she's like a full-blown veteran. (laughs) Then we spoke about Dalman. What's the future of the Dalman power plant? Much of it is being disassembled. That was a recent innovation. If you listen to Council Roundup, you'd know. (laughs) Hunter Lake. Have you heard of it? Well, if you haven't, I suspect you moved into town recently. It is the talk of the town, and it has been for some three decades, three to five to seven decades, depending on who you ask. It's been a long while. 
this project has been in consideration to varying degrees. Now, for those who listen to our programs, the Sierra Club, the Sangamon Valley portion of the Sierra Club, they come on and they speak to us often, Don Hanrahan, Nick Dotson, and we spoke to them just about nine days ago concerning a send-out from the United States Environmental Protection Agency that was, I believe, released September 25th of this past year, 2023, And it was a comment on the Hunter Lake project, and it said to varying degrees that it did not recommend that the United States Army Corps of Engineers should in fact permit this project to go through because it did not meet in the site of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency a demonstration of need, whether it be for for water recreation, whether it be in case of drought, and they also noted that they did not think that CWLP had demonstrated that this was a stronger move than any alternative possibilities. Alderwoman Notriano, what do you think of Hunter Lake and the comments made by the United States Environmental Protection Agency? Yeah, I think that, you know, it it did come out as sort of a a block buster leak. But I will say that what they said is truly not anything uh, that we have sort of already known. You know, um, creating a lake in this area is going to be complicated environmentally because we have, you know, there's a lot of farmland around and um, potential runoff into the lake from the farmland that does not make good drinking water, right? And um, a problem and then, we already have to right. some degree, yes, absolutely. Well, every every lake uh, in uh, the area, the vicinity, right? So you know, we we like I said, we've sort of already known this, and and I will say, when I first moved to town, and people talked about the lake in terms of let's have this lake for you know uh, water recreation. Of course, you hear that. That sounds great. What a what a great idea. Sure, why not? Um, but then you start to hear about how much it's going to cost and uh, who's going to pay for it. And you start to think, well, perhaps the city of Springfield has a few other more pressing priorities. So I do believe that there's not a whole lot of appetite on this council for Hunter Lake and for us to continue this decades-long discussion. Um, now, I, I don't know if we're going to put it to bed or just shelve it, but uh, like I said, this council has priorities, spending priorities, and saving priorities that are in other areas, like the the lake. It's not top of anyone's list, as far as I know. It's certainly not top of mine. Absolutely. Environmental groups would even argue that cleaning the current lake might be a priority uh, of some pressing degree. It absolutely should be. I do not remember the last time the lake was dredged, but it's been quite a while. And everyone who's lived in Springfield for a while knows that the lake, because of that, we we have issues with our water quality currently. And so absolutely, I hear time and again, if, if we can't take care of the lake that we have, what are we doing thinking about building another lake that is going to require maintenance and taxpayer money? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is 
No question that infrastructure takes expenditure. We have to maintain what we build. And when we push off maintaining what we build, we cannot use the excuse that it now costs more money to do because we neglected to spend that money over the course of time. So, of mm-hmm. course, it now costs all of that aggregate money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make that case, but it's irresponsible, right? You're not. Buried. using your resources and, and taking care of your resources in a way that is, like I said, the best use of taxpayer money and also being a good steward of the environment. These things, they go hand in hand. We take care of the earth. It takes care of us. Don't take care of the earth. Well, that's for another episode, of course. <laughs> yeah, a book. Let's talk with Trent R. Nelson. And we are here with Ward 6 Alderwoman Jennifer Notriano. We are so fortunate that she has decided to come hang out with us this morning. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Of course, before we let you go, we know you are a busy individual. We have to talk about the biggest of the big issues from the council last week. We've got to speak about, no, none of the emergency passage stuff. (laughs) And no, not the grapple truck either, which we need. Super important. We need a grapple truck. For grapple truck rotation. Again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, why did you miss Council Roundup? No, we have to speak about the moratorium on the residency requirements to work with and in the city of Spring. Mm -hmm. We heard some compelling arguments over the course of the last several weeks from all sides of the argument on our council roundups. You could hear former Alderman McMenamin basically giving the entire history of the residency. And in just this last week, you can hear Alderman Rockford, as well as Alderwoman Notriano herself, as well as Director Nikki Baker from the city of Springfield. She had her statistics handy, to say the least. And that's what we need. We need information to be sure, right? Mm -hmm. And we need people presenting information. Now, Alderwoman Notriano, you presented some fairly compelling evidence that if the workforce is an orange, we're running out of juice. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So this goes back to my former life as a as a political scientist. One of the first things you learn in graduate school is that correlation is not causation, right? So what that means is just because the residency requirement was instituted in 2017 and in all the years since, we've seen a decline in people applying for city positions does not mean that the residency requirement is the cause of that. Okay, there are a lot of other factors that we have to consider. And namely, the one that jumps out to me is the fact that since that time, the Springfield area has had record low unemployment. So we have, and and as Director Nikki Baker mentioned, not since 2017, but certainly since Governor Prinsker has taken office, the number of jobs available in Springfield has been on the increase. So we have a situ- situation where people are moving out of the city. We have a very strong job market and people are employed and they have more opportunities for employment at the state and at the local hospital systems, which is where I came from before I worked for the state. 
So there's a lot of competition. And that residency requirement, I, I mean, sure, it no doubt plays a part for some people who are considering whether or not to apply for a job at the city of Springfield. Um, but I don't know about you, the the top line for me when applying for a job is what's the salary like? What are the benefits like? And un- unfortunately, I don't know that the city has been able to compete, certainly not with the state. I had a email from a constituent on this issue, and I'd also like to say that all of my constituents who emailed me about the residency requirement were in favor of it. They want their city workers to be their neighbors and to understand uh, the issues that that they come up against on a regular basis. But, but anyway, this constituent said to me there was a job posted that required a um, technical certification. And um, she has some knowledge about this field. And she wanted to know why the salary for this posting was thousands of dollars less than the median salary for this position. So when we have that sort of mismatch between what the city is offering and what the market will pay, in a position, it's really, really tough to just blame residency. Absolutely. And and that is a fantastic point, all the women know Triana. And I think that you mentioned it at the council itself, right? You asked the director, what has the city done to make these jobs more attractive? Mm-hmm. Not, not, you know, why aren't people trying to take them? It's, well, let's look. Like, are they something that people would want to undertake? Mm-hmm. And then I think the next point of the discussion has to move to if there are not individuals already within the city limits who simply might need to have different training or education in order to fulfill some of these positions that are available that the city is frustrated are not being filled. Mm-hmm. No? Absolutely. Yeah. So that is another issue that, again, I'm not sure how much the city has paid attention to it in the past. But um, one of the things that I would have liked to to hear about and to see action on before we addressed um, this sort of very hot button issue of the residency requirement would be uh, what's the nature of these positions that we're unable to fill? Um, are they s- positions where our residents do not have the skills, our, our residents who aren't employed don't have the skills to fill these positions? Is there a mismatch? And what can we as the city do to um, bridge that gap and get people who are unemployed in the city um, employed? It's a great point. Le- the city has to, in many ways, uh, bridge those gaps act as more of a synapse than it is. We cannot just be waiting for people to figure out, I better go and interview and apply for this. You got to outreach, program, bring folks in, say we need X and Y. And if you're interested, we can perhaps help in some manner. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's what we do, you know, with uh, police and fire. And it's something that, you know, unfortunately, I asked Director Baker for a list of the positions that that she was having uh, trouble getting applicants for. And uh, unfortunately, these are a lot of like professional, um, you know, 
you you have to have a degree, you have to have some sort of technical certification, attorneys, engineers, people to work in IT. So it, it's not like we're um, we're looking for people to fill positions that we're going to easily be able to train them up for really quickly. So again, that was one of the reasons why I just did not think the residency requirement was an undue burden, right? If you're looking to hire an attorney or an engineer, the bottom line is, and Director Baker mentioned this, we're looking to to pull them away from their current job, you know, to attract them to to the city. And uh, what we need to do is offer competitive uh, pay, right? That is the top line thing that's, that's going to get you to click on the job, right? When people come to a city, when they consider moving to a place, right? These these individuals with these skill sets that are necessary to find, they're looking for, as you noted, salary, benefits. And they're looking for, do my branches get picked up? <laughs> sure. Are there leaves all around all the time, right? They, and it sounds goofy, right? But these are the things that we consider. Is this a nice place to live? Mm-hmm. I want to live in a nice place. I want to feel good. Springfield is a beautiful, wonderful place. Uh, having moved here uh, not an incredible long time ago, I love it. Mm-hmm. But people need to be incentivized, as you're noting, mm-hmm. to leave these places to some degree where they're happy to move to a new place to realize, well, I'm very happy here. Right. Yeah? Absolutely. But you don't know that before you, you, you decide. You have to make the decision. Mm-hmm. and. You know, what are we offering? Absolutely. And I I know for me, I actually moved to Springfield from Decatur uh, because I got a job in Springfield. And I thought that I would commute because I really loved my apartment in, uh, in downtown Decatur. And, you know, I had friends there and things like that. But, um, but after working in Springfield for a while and taking a look around and seeing just how affordable real estate is, it was a no-brainer for me. You know, the capital city, we have so much going on, so much to offer. It is a great place to live. We have a nice, welcoming community. Yeah, we, we just have to make sure that if we want folks to work for the city, we have to make sure that we're competitive with wages and benefits. That's called capitalism. <laughs> yes. I've read the books. I know. <laughs> it's how it works. We, we have a competitive job market, private enterprise. They need people as well. They can afford to pay more. That's just math. I know enough to do math. All the women know Triana. <laughs> and it's simple math. Simple math, I can do that, and so can our listeners, I suspect. Let's talk with Trenar Nelson, here with Alderwoman Jennifer Notriano, Ward 6. It has just been absolutely fantastic to hang out with you today, and we appreciate you making some time to come down, speak to us about what it's been like to represent your community, and, of course, all the stuff that gets on in the... City Council. Yeah, my pleasure. We look forward to having you back on, talk more about all these cool issues. And of course, again, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Let's talk with Trent R. Nelson. We'll catch you real soon.